0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Fanlist podcast. Uh, slightly different format today. Unfortunately, uh, my co-presenter Marcus cannot join me uh, to to record this podcast live. Uh, so we've actually done this in in little voice note sound bites, uh, rounding up the action. It's going to be a little bit shorter than our usual podcasts, but uh, we will be back later this week with a normal style podcast. Uh, as Monte Carlo Masters is underway and, and getting into the tournament. But for this podcast, we will focus at first on the tournaments last week in Marbella and Sardinia, the 250 tournaments there. Uh, both Marcus and I are going to take one tournament each in our voice notes and, uh, and, and put that up onto the podcast, uh, and then we're going to both go through our Monte Carlo picks for this week, the first Claycore Masters tournament of the year.
1: It was a really interesting week in Marbella, the 250 tournament, of course, won by Pablo Carano Busta, moves up to world number 12 as a result. I have to say I was slightly disappointed to see Halme Munar lose out to him in the final. I did think the 23-year-old had a really strong week and maybe could have kicked on towards what would have been his first ATP Tour title, but it's a good week all the same, and he moves up to 81 in the world. He lost that match to coronabusta Busta 6-1, 2-6, 6-4. And yeah, really interesting to see coronabusta Busta push as high as 12 in the world at 29 now. It'll be interesting to see if he can push into that top 10. I think he has got a career high ranking at sort of 10 or 11. So, you know, really hitting his straps in terms of the best form of his career at the moment. Um, just looking down at some key performers in Mayabea after, of course, that exciting final. Carlos Alcaraz... Almost stole the week, I think. Obviously, Jaime Munar beat him quite comfortably in the semi-final, but Alcaraz at seventeen years old—I mean, it was an incredible achievement for him to make the quarter-final, beating Miloić in the first round, then Feliciano López in three sets in the second round, which is, you know, can't can't be sniffed at at all. And then the player that myself and Michael both predicted to win the tournament in Casper in the uh, what was the uh, fourth um, in the last sixteen match, which which meant that. He went on to reach that semi-final and it was a straight sets win and really an incredible performance a real, uh, really announcing himself on the tour after some... Uh, impressive performances from players similar to his age you know we've seen holger rune sebastian corda really take massive strides this year and this was the first tournament where carlos alcaraz was able to stand up be counted and really uh, announce himself on those clay courts it will be interesting to see how he gets on in the lead up to the french open uh just three more shouts you've got Ilya ivashka who's shown some excellent form in recent weeks particularly on the challenger tour was but was able to put it together this week. He had some marathon matches this week. He beat Pedro Martinez and Alejandro, Alejandro Davidovich Fokina, two highly rated Spanish players, before losing out to Munar in just under three hours. Then uh, also Kwon Soon-Woon, the 23-year-old South Korean player, had a strong week beating Holger Roon, as I mentioned, and Facundo Bagnes, the experienced Argentinian. And then also Norbert Gombos, uh, was able to get his first proper real run into a tournament in the in the year, really. It was, it was a really ex- impressive week from him. I wasn't expecting it really to come on the clay courts, his sort of breakout week this year, but the 30-year-old, who's sitting just inside the top 100, was able to get past Juan Ignacio Londero and uh, Federico Delbonis. The Delbonis match in three hours and 23 minutes before, sadly, losing out to Albert Ramos in two hours and 47 minutes. So really some really gruelling rallies, gruelling matches, gruelling sets were put together by Norbert Gombos and it was unlucky to lose out to the eventual finalist, uh, semi-finalist in Albert Ramos for there. But, uh, uh, when I, when I talk about the tournament as a whole, it was thoroughly enjoyable. Um, for me, for me, the, the best one of the week, Calgary was a, a little bit more uh, unpredictable. You know, we see the top seed obviously come out on top in Marbella, but you know, it was a great week, all the same and a great introduction to the clay court season, obviously with the Monte Carlo masters kicking off today. It is, uh, you know, these two tournaments really set up the stage for that. And, uh, it was a great way to see, particularly Howe Munar and Carlos Alcaraz show what they can do and we I, know, I in particular definitely expect to see a lot more of them in the in the months that, that are approaching.
0: So that was Marcus with his brilliant little round-up of Marbella last week and I uh, will round-up for you the Sardinia Open from Cagliari in Italy on the island of Sardinia. First time a tournament's been played with it just being a a one-year contracted tournament on the tour. Uh, and the first and possibly only ever winner of it, uh, Lorenzo Cinego, uh wins his second career title. He beat Laszlo Gere uh, in a brilliant three-set match. Uh, he won that 2-6, 7-5, 6-4. That second set was five all in the tiebreak, uh, was, was two points away from losing that match. Sonego, there were breaks of serve all over the place in that second set. A really, really entertaining affair, but it was Sonego that took the title and it's taken him to a career high of 28th. Uh, he's ranked the third highest Italian. We had a discussion on the last podcast about the prevalence of Italians in the top 100 and uh, Lorenzo Sonego is right up there as the third Italian behind Fanini and Sinner and, and now being a top 30 player uh the 25 year old third seed he had a, a very good week built Gilles Simon uh, in straight sets uh, then uh, Yannick Hampfman in in a tough three set match actually Hampfman was playing some really good tennis had beaten America's Tommy Paul and Marco Cecchinato the uh, clay court specialist uh, before going on to beat the number 2 seed Taylor Fritz uh, in another brilliant three set match um he lost a, a 2 a two-break lead in that second set, Cinego, um and, and then lost the set. But it was a brilliant recovery after what was probably quite heartbreak in that second set. Uh, and he actually broke for every single return game in that third set. Uh, so a fantastic response. And at just 25 years old, I think Senego uh, is still probably considered a young player on the tour, so this victory is very interesting to see where he's going to go. Um, he has a very varied game style, because his first title actually came on the grass courts of Antalya in 2019. Uh, and, of course, he got that amazing victory over Novak Djokovic at the back end of last year on the hardcore indoor uh, courts in, in Vienna. So uh, really showing quality across all the surfaces, and now he's really... some Got a got a solid place in that top 30. It'll be really interesting to see where he goes from here. Uh, just a quick blast through some other results. Uh, number one seed, Britain's Dan Evans. Uh, he was number one seed, but we all know that clay isn't his best surface. He lost his first match to the 19-year-old Lorenzo Massetti, really exciting player. Uh, Evans lost four match points in a final set tiebreak, um, losing it 10-8. Real heartbreak for the Brit there. Um, the world number 84 Massetti uh, went on to really challenge uh, finalist Laszlo Gere in that uh, in the semi-final. Uh, sorry, no quarter-final. Uh, he lost that one in three sets. Um, also a really good week for Nicholas Bazalashvili after um back-to-back losses since his surprise title in Dubai, um, he got a really impressive win in the third round over Jan Leonard Struff in three sets. Uh, and he trailed Struff. Four two in a head to head record prior to that match, um, and then went on to losing straight sets to Gere. That was the semi final, uh, Gere semi final, um, uh, Gere a player who's won titles on the clay court, so definitely uh, not a bad result at all, um, or. Well, or not a bad uh, thing really there for for Bazid really to to lose that to Jerry in straight sets um, and then just very very quickly lastly uh, Britain's Liam Brody, I think this news broke when uh, we were doing the podcast uh, last time round. Uh, beating fellow qualifier Huesler of Switzerland 6-1, 6-3 very comfortably. And he managed to put in a really solid second round performance uh, against Struff. He lost it 6-4, 6-2. But it's important to remember that Struff is over 100 places higher than Brody in the rankings and uh, is a former top 30 player. So uh, it's... A, big, a great year so far uh, for Liam Brody. really, really impressive, and just another uh, really good week for him in terms of results qualifying for this. And he's actually just had a, a really good win at the Belgrade Challenger this week, beating uh, Milvojevic of uh, Serbia, I believe, uh, in the first round. Uh, um or M- Milvojevic, I should say, terrible with that pronunciation um he's won a challenger title this year on clay so a fantastic result for Liam Brody but yeah that's uh pretty much the roundup on Cagliari um Lorenzo Sonego being the champion there being Laszlo Gere in the final so that was the roundups of last week's tournaments uh now we have Monte Carlo Masters uh the first clay court Masters of the year I think possibly both mine and Marcus's favourite Masters Tournament of the year, to be honest. We didn't get to have it last year Um, after the coronavirus pandemic uh, cancelled it. Uh, so the last one being played in 2019 was actually one of the most bizarre Masters Tournaments uh, f- from my memory. Uh, Fabio Fanini beat uh, duzan Lajevic in the final two, very unlikely find this. So really shows that there could be uh, some upsets prone on this tournament. Um, We'll, as normal, just go through our predictions uh, going down from our quarterfinals, um, and I think Marcus is going to do his predictions first.
1: I was very excited to get my predictions done for this one, obviously, you know, a huge tournament and, and one that Rafael Nadal has won a ridiculous 11 times. So maybe that gives a little spoiler to who I've got as to win the tournament. My prediction's just going to run down my quarterfinals, as we like to do. I've got Novak Djokovic, who's the top seed at the draw, the 33 year to take on Marton Fucevic, so gone for a little bit of a surprise there. The world number 40 and the Hungarian number one. I've got him to beat Lorenzo Sonego in the first round, who, of course, won the title in Cagliari, but... Um, you know, I just think that that might play into his. He might be a little bit more fatigued. And Fucjovic is a, a capable player on the clay courts, but most importantly and most significantly, I've got him to beat Sasha Zverev in the second round. The German player has a has a bye first up, and I just think Fucjovic, if he can show the form that we've seen him produce on the hard courts in in the recent sort of month or so, particularly uh, sort of starting off his upward trend in Rotterdam, then he can definitely push Zverev. And yeah, Zverev has, has struggled. If you take out Acapulco, He's had a pretty desperate year so far and, um, yeah, he definitely needs to arrest that slide. But, sadly, I don't, I don't see that happening on the clay courts in Monte Carlo. Then I've got him to progress past David Goffin and make his way to the quarterfinals to face Novak Djokovic, who I've got to beat Yannick Sinner in the second round, which, should it materialise, should be an awesome match. Um, yeah, that that really is one that I'm particularly looking forward to in terms of the whole draw. Uh, of course, I've got him to beat Ube Herkac in, in the next round, um, and obviously set up that quarterfinal, which I do have him to progress from. Uh, then that second quarterfinal, it's good to see Matteo Berrettini back on the tour. Hasn't played, I don't think, at all since the Australian Open, where he had a, an OK run. I think he made the fourth round, considering how poor he was uh, in 2020. That was good to see some some returning form from the Italian. Now, I've got him to face Stefano Um The Greek number one, obviously just 22 years old now at five in the road. I've got him to progress past Lorenzo Massetti, who actually now (laughs) is a mistake because he's just lost to Aslan Karatsev. So that could be a hell of a match in the second round for Sitsipas, a real, real banana skin. I've got him to progress past uh, Christian Garin in the round after that to set up that quarterfinal. I've got Berrettini to beat Alejandro Davidovich fokina and, uh, yeah, make his way into the last eight, but that's as far as it goes for me. Uh, in that third quarterfinal, I've got Andre Rublev to face Rafael Nadal. Could be a really interesting one. I've got Rublev to get past the challenge of Roberto bautista Agut, which w- will be a huge test. Even if he comes through, I can see it being a close one. And uh, yeah, face Nadal, who obviously, as, I, as I've hinted towards, I do have to win the tournament despite not playing much tennis of late. Then at the bottom of the draw, I feel like I've probably got my biggest shock of the tournament. I've got Diego Schwartzmann uh, to make his way past Casper Rude and Karen Hatchinov and into the quarter final. But I've got him to face Filip Krujinovic, uh, the world number 36, hasn't been playing too much recently. But I've got him to go on a. Maisy little run here. He plays Nicolas Bazilashvili, the semi-finalist from the uh, tournament in Cagliari last week in the first round, which I think, yeah, mainly just due to a bit more freshness, he should be able to get past that one. And then I've got him to beat Daniil Medvedev in the second round. The Somehow the second seed on a clay court, Daniil Medvedev, who's never won a match at the French Open, finds himself as a higher seeding than Rafael Nadal in this tournament. So, yeah, I, I don't fancy his chances of going deep at all, really. Um, and I think Kujinovic would be a big test in that second round. Then I've got him to beat the reigning champion from 2019, Fabio Fonini, to make his way to that quarterfinal, which I do have him in the end to to lose out to Diego Schwartzman. And and I have the Argentinian to kick on and set up a semi final with Rafael Nadal, which I'm sure will be an epic watch if it does come to pass. Uh, just back to the top of the draw, and I've got Sitsa Pass to actually beat Novak Djokovic in the semi final. I think just a lack of. A lack of on-court action and particularly the the clay court probably being Djokovic's weakest surface makes me think that Sitsipas can have enough belief. Obviously, he took him to five sets at the French Open last year and uh, yeah, could probably have enough to get past him and then I have the Greek player to lose out to Nadal in the final. No shame in that. But I think this this definitely could be a big week for Stefanos Sitsipas on the tour. He never won a Masters title and I think he'd probably fancy his chances at getting that first one over the line on the clay court. So, yeah. Uh, Really looking forward to how this tournament develops, but Nadal's got to be the champion for me.
0: So there was Marcus's uh, predictions for the Monte Carlo Masters. I'll just quickly run through mine now. And the main difference Marcus and I have in our draws is that I actually have Alexander Zverev to have a great week in Monte Carlo. And and just starting with that, I've got him to face uh, Djokovic in the quarterfinal, uh, the first against the fifth seed. Uh, obviously, I've got Djokovic to come through that really enticing round two match with Yannick Sinner. I believe it'll be their first meeting on the tour. So that could be really, really exciting. And I did have Djokovic to face compatriot. And last year's, uh, not last year, sorry, uh, the last time this tournament was played two years ago, uh, the runner-up, uh, Duzan Laevich, very surprised runner-up from that year. I've got Djokovic to beat him in round three. However, uh, I believe Laevich is currently a set down to Britain's Dan Evans Uh, So the reigning runner-up, if that's a a term, is uh, currently looking like he might go out in in the first round. And i have got to beat Futsubitz and Goffin, although I completely see why Marcus has gone for a Futsubitz win there, because he's had a fantastic year, one of the players of the year on the tour for, for certain. Just going down uh, to the next one. I've got uh, Stefano Sitzipas to face Berrettini, like Marcus. Um, and as Marcus mentioned, Berrettini not played since the Australian Open. When actually, uh, it was a walkover win for Sitsipas uh, in that fourth round of the Australian Open. So um, Berrettini, I put him to face Sitsipas, where he he, he should have faced in the Australian Open, but uh, obviously pulled out because of that injury. Um, it's a bit of a risk. I think us both going for him in the quarterfinal, considering uh he hasn't played in a while and so presumably his fitness might not be at, at its best and and davidovich Fakina and Guido Paya are uh, two very great, good clay court players so um i think that could be a really really tough ask but i have put Berrettini to get there like Marcus i've got Rublev and Nadal uh, in that last quarter uh, in that third quarter final sorry i've got Rublev to come through against Bautista Agut who beat him in Qatar a couple of weeks ago And then finally, I have Diego Schwartzman to face Daniel Medvedev. Uh, I've gone with the second seed Medvedev to get to the quarter, even though he really doesn't like the clay course. He actually said some comments uh, the other day uh, about how he doesn't like anything about clay at all. Yet he's seeded second uh, over Nadal in third, who is the 11-time champion. Uh, and going for a 12th title. So, um, yeah, it's kind of crazy when you see Daniel Medvedev uh, seeded second at clay court tournament, but I have backed him to beat Basil Ashwili and Uh I've got Krajinovic who Marcus has backed to this quarterfinal. I've actually got Krajinovic to lose uh, in round one. Uh, and then just finally in the last rounds, uh, so the biggest surprise and difference that I have in the draw is I actually have Alexander Zverev to get through against Djokovic in that quarterfinal. Um very good clay court player and I I believe Djokovic uh you know, he's not massively comfortable in the clay courts. I know he had a good French open last year. Uh but I do feel like he is prone to that sort of result in the in the Masters tournaments, especially at Clay Court level. Um and I've also got uh, Nadal Schwartzman in the other semi-final, which as Marcus said should be a brilliant match. I think Schwartzman uh beat Nadal, I think it was in Rome last year. Uh, and, and a man that we've seen test Nadal even at the French Open, and, and no one tests Nadal at the French Open, really. So um, that could be really enticing, but I have got Nadal to win that, and I've got him to beat Alexander Zverev in the final. So both Marcus and I are going for uh, a, perhaps a little bit of an underdog finalist in Zverev and Sitsipas, uh as opposed to the world number one there at Djokovic. Uh, both of us having Nadal. To win, really looking forward to this tournament. Uh, just before we leave you, one little bit of tennis news: the French Open has been delayed by a week. Uh, that's because of France's current new lockdown. Um, ending, uh, when the French Open during that first week that it was meant to be, so they've moved the French Open back a week, so that uh, hopefully they can have spectators. Uh, obviously, they will have to see what the pictures like in France. Uh, Come May, I know the situation out there is quite bad at the moment, Um, but we're really hoping that we can have fans at that event. But really interestingly, this means there'll only be two weeks between the French Open and Wimbledon. It's normally a, a very tough ask for players to make the transition so quick. We've seen it with Rafael Nadal, especially, you know, winning... Uh, the French Open and then going to Wimbledon just, just a couple of weeks later and, and really struggling in the early rounds. And now uh, one week less in between could take its toll even more on the older players. And actually it might make Wimbledon more prone to to some upsets. I actually feel like Wimbledon is the Grand Slam where you seem to see the youngsters coming through less of late. I uh, can't really think of any of the young players really having good runs at Wimbledon. So um could be a really good... Uh, or or a really interesting factor on on how Wimbledon plays out this year. Uh, But that is the news. The French Open is at the moment still going ahead as planned, which is brilliant news, but it is going to be a week later. That is all from us from the Tennis Fan List podcast. Uh, We'll be back later this week with a normal-styled podcast, as I mentioned earlier, uh, as opposed to this sort of pre-recorded voice notes between me and Marcus, Um. So yeah, we'll be back with that. Enjoy the Monte Carlo Masters in the meantime. It's being shown on Amazon Prime, so if you have access to that and the time, definitely worth a watch. A really good tournament to watch. Um, and if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at tennisfanlist and get involved with our predictions league on tennisdrawchallenge.com. Uh, and the group is tennisfanlist podcast. Uh, you should just be able to join that group and get involved. Uh Thank you very much, and we'll see you later this week.